Welcome to the College Sports Conversations presented by the NCAA. I'm Trey Moses. As a part of Mental Health Awareness Month, we are talking with student athletes about their personal mental health journeys and how they have overcome adversity. This is a topic that I care about very deeply. I have my own story that goes back from when I was younger all the way to overcoming adversity uh, in college while I was at Ball State. Our guest today is UMBC lacrosse player Tony Diallo. Tony is a sophomore majoring in biology on a pre-veterinarian track. Tony, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Pretty solid, pretty solid. It's good to hear, man. Um, so my first question, you know, your, your parents, Telly and Tracy, are immigrants. Um, how did your family's background raise your awareness of your identity at an early age? Um, I mean, at an early age, you know, very you know, influential to a lot of different things. Um, my parents like made an emphasis for me to know like who I am, where they come from. Um, you know, it was like hard at some times cause they were so focused on what they were doing in terms of like providing. Um, but in terms of identity, it was always like, you know making sure I know that, you know I'm, I'm a black man in America and things like that. Um, also that I, you know, I have a Fulani background in Jamaican culture. So um, there's no shortage of, you know, meals and things like that. Um, but there are also, you know, conversations about, you know, where I come from and, you know, what, what that comes with, uh, especially being in, in this society. How important for you, how important is it for people to embrace their culture? especially in America where, you know, oftentimes we can get judged by what we believe in our culture, what we wear. Uh, so how important was it for you to embrace that? I think it was very important. I think it is a big part of my confidence, you know, like, cause I know who I am. I'm better able to go out and represent who I am. Like, I know that my background, I should be proud of, um, and my actions should show that. So when I step out into society, it isn't a poor representation. It's, you know, it's everything my parents and their parents have worked for. Um, I think it's important for people to know that for that reason, like it gives you confidence. It oftentimes gives you a reason to go out there and be great. Is like when you know you, you have people or you have, you know, someone looking out, looking after you, um, you know, it gives you perspective that you need to like go out there and, and give your best effort. You know, you grew up as one of only three black players at St. Andrews um, in Maryland. And, you know, you faced many microaggressions at that stage in your life throughout your lacrosse career. Um, can you just share some examples of those? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, all this hair. I didn't grow it out really until like junior or senior year. Um, you know, obviously like people touching your hair and you know, you freeze, you don't really know how to react to that. You just kind of walk away and keep quiet. Cause I went to a predominantly white institution. Um, so like, I didn't really think speaking up was an option. I didn't really even think it would have any effect um so there's a lot of like walking away from situations uh, 
you know, people had their political views and, you know, felt the need to express them um, at me. I don't know how to like describe it, but, um, you know, there are a lot of instances where um, you just had to like let it go, unfortunately, just because, you know, I had to make myself like, put myself in a mature situation like, okay, as a high schooler, I have to understand that these kids aren't mature and they don't understand like the effect that their words have. Um, so it was a lot of like accepting the ignorance and oftentimes I'd have those conversations, you know, if it was a close teammate who had said like a racially charged joke, I'd take them to the side and be like, listen, man, like this is how it affected me. Because as a kid, like when you call someone out, like your immediate instinct is like defend yourself by all means. Um, so I'd like pull them to the side and be like, listen, like this is how I feel personally. Um, this is how it made me feel. If it made me feel this way, I, mean, I imagine it has or will make someone else feel the same. So like be mindful of that. Um, so those are, those are like some of the, the instances, nothing like, you know, nothing else I could really like think of to share um, that wasn't like, you know, crazy, you know. How do you think that it affected your mental health? Because I feel like as, I, in general, I don't feel like we should deal with it, but as a high schooler and younger, especially like you, I feel like we shouldn't deal with that. No. So how was it for you having to deal with that and pretty much having to stick up for yourself? How did that affect you? And then um, what was the thought process behind having, feeling like you had to stick up for yourself? It just, it was like harder to get up during, you know, it was harder to get up. Like I got to go to school. I got to worry about my grades okay, I got to perform on the field. Okay, I got to worry about this kid calling me that or that girl saying this to me. Or I got to worry about a teacher saying something about how I look or something like that. You know, it's just like all these things. It's like, I don't want to walk down that hallway because I know that kid is always there, like going to say something, going to do something. Um, so there's just like a lot of emotional baggage and you know anytime like there 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 are those stigmas and stereotypes like the angry black man and so like i couldn't lash out because people would just be like oh tony you're just you're just mad you're just upset about something um so it was a lot of feeling like i wasn't being heard or i couldn't be heard um so it was a lot of i was silent most of the time like i kept to myself and when you hold too much in, like it comes out in a bad way. And, you know, oftentimes that happened, like rather than having someone to talk to about issues, I, you know, take it out like on the field and, you know, wouldn't play like myself or, you know, off the field, I wouldn't really act like myself. Um, so there's a lot of like emotional baggage that I felt like could have easily been avoided if people had like understood like what this means or it had conversations at an earlier point in time understanding like the effect that their words and actions have um so definitely something that i don't think people deserve to go through i know that they do um, but yeah it's it's definitely a lot to deal with just have one 
at that age, did you have any coping mechanisms maybe that you did at home to kind of brace yourself for what you were going to deal with so you wouldn't feel like the angry black man that they might have labeled you as if you would have flashed out? Yeah, I mean, I really can't imagine being where I am, like, mentally without my sister, um, you may. She's, she was, like, who I leaned on for a lot of like my problems and she was able to talk to me cause she had, she's older. So she had a, you know, a little more experience about how the world works. Um, she'd like give me advice and talk to me. And she also was a yoga instructor. So she knew a lot of breathing exercises and, you know, things that I could do to just like relax. Um, you know, obviously like playing lacrosse was my outlet. Um, when I, like my mind was jumbled, I'd go hit the wall or I'd go do some footwork. Um, trying to find things that made me happy. Obviously, like video games, things like that, hanging out with friends. Um, I guess the trickiest part is like when you're alone, you know, like I guess when those, those times where I'm in like maybe a dark spot in my room, um, I'd try and like exercise do a couple push-ups or watch something, um, you know, or I'd, I'd, start, I'd start writing. Um, I'd just keep writing whatever my thoughts are, just get it on paper. Um, oftentimes I wouldn't even read it. I'd just write how I'm feeling and then just like throw it away. It's kind of like, okay, I got that moment out. Let's refresh, let's move on sort of thing. Yeah, that's all I can really think about right now. Do you do you still journal? A little bit, not as much as I used to, just because I've been able to like, that was a time where I couldn't, I wasn't really confident in how I would express how I felt like with words. And I didn't want to say the wrong thing or like say something to be misinterpreted. Um, so putting it to paper, like kind of helped me like, see what I'm thinking. Um, and uh, I don't really journal as much. I more so like talk things out because I know I, I can better now. Um, yeah. How, how have you worked to educate your peers on the issues you faced in the lacrosse community? Yeah, so I joined this organization um, a while ago. Um, it's kind of slowed up now, but for a while, I was holding forums um, on Sundays, like for an hour to like educate people, help them gain perspective. So they went on like the misconceptions of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, microaggressions. Um, what was it? Uh, regentrification, um, things like that. Uh, so also my team, like, we did these talks where we had alums come and speak to black alums, uh, come talk to the team about their experiences. So I reached out to my coach and I like, I was like, listen, coach, like this, this, this is who I am. You know, it's part of who I am. It's, it's not only me, but it's part of the other kids on our team. And there's about seven or eight of us, you know, as like, as a division one program, having seven or eight black kids on a lacrosse team is, is a big deal. And one, it's something that I told him, like, 
you got to take advantage of this because like this is a not not a lot of people will listen and we have that firepower um so i i tried to educate my teammates about those things like how their words and actions might affect others so that way they're not only helping themselves but like one day when they have a family they know how to tell their kids like hey you can't do this you can't say this because uh, all these problems as you know are, are generational um so yeah you know in an article you wrote with us lacrosse last fall um you talked about struggling with how to think about things in a world where you oftentimes don't feel safe how do you feel you've grown and grown um others in the, in the past year with the conversations you're leading? Um, patience, really. Like, I just turned 20. And like, even though I feel like a lot's happened, like I, I often feel like I need to take a step back and look at like how far I've come from where I was. Because um, there was a time where I didn't know what to think and like they're now it's at a point where like I can piece things together or I have a different or better approach to what's going on. Um, you know, can you repeat the question one more time? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, how do you feel like you've grown and then how do you feel like you've helped others grow? Um, in the past years or the past year with the conversations you've been leading yeah just oh yeah so like vulnerability too like i feel like in order for someone to open up someone's got to be vulnerable first um it's a sacrifice but like if it needs to be made it needs to be made to get people to talk um so i try to be vulnerable myself even though it's uncomfortable um it, yeah, I try to like use that as a mechanism to get people to open up um, and just like bring them along with what I'm doing. Even people like I know I wouldn't hang out with, I just like try to reach out and be like, hey, I saw this, or, or I try to talk to them in person about like something that I saw and just like try to gain, like hear their side of it so like they feel heard and listened to and then I try and talk. Um, it's annoying at times, but like if it helps people understand and gain perspective, then yeah. As African-Americans, I feel like it is, there's a stigma around mental health, but I think there's an even bigger stigma around vulnerability. How do you think as African-American males, we can work to end that stigma? That's a good question. Um, Cause even though like I've been vulnerable a lot of times as I'm sure you have as well. Um, there are a lot of times like you don't want to let your guard down. Um, and you feel like if you do you're less of a man or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I feel like a lot of it comes from confidence and like knowing what you're saying and knowing what you're talking about. Um, you know, destroying that stigma, I feel like is hard. It obviously, like, I don't want to be corny, but it's like one person at a time sort of thing where, um, 
like if you see someone present something in a different way that you haven't seen before then like okay that that's that that's one person or one mind that i like affected today um so i think if we start seeing that more like she starts seeing black men out there being more vulnerable it could start like a new wave of like okay it, it is okay to not be okay this day it is okay to talk about it it is okay to cry about it like you know because we are human and we got to work through these 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 issues and we're also different so there's not one there's not one way to get something done um so i think like working to work on that stigma yeah it's definitely like seeing it more um like more examples of what it means to be vulnerable with as as vulnerable as you have been have you seen any growth or change in your teammates with how vulnerable they have been or have grown into? I'd say yes and no. Um, you know, guys that are my age or younger. Yeah. You know, but there are, the, there are those juniors and seniors um, who maybe haven't so much. I'm not like mad or anything. Cause I know I can't, you know, get everyone, but um, I'm just happy that there's progress nonetheless. And I'm, I'm more like happy with like, of course I'd love to get those guys on board as they leave and go out. But like, if I have, if I talk to my, the kids in my class and then the freshmen are on board, then, you know, next year when I'm a junior, you know, those sophomores are going to talk to those freshmen and it'll, it'll continue that cycle. So, um, like, so yeah, like, yeah, but I'm more focused on like that domino effect now. Um, just cause I know that not everyone will like be there and open up in that sense, but definitely like a lot of seniors, like I've had one of my captains, like we were on the phone for like two hours, just talking about how, he grew up and how he didn't know these things and how he like wants to know more. Um, so we we've talked since then and it's, it's been one, one eye-opening experience. Cause like he's told me about a time when he like cut his dad off, like dad, you can't say that sort of thing. And his dad was like, Oh, I didn't know. And he explained it to his dad. And it was, I was like, this is tough. Like, that's cool. Um, so yeah. You know, you mentioned the domino effect. I think, it's true for you too. If we can affect one person, you know, technically our job is done. You know, we I, like, I feel like if we can affect one person a day, our job is done. But at the end of the day, we know we're both doing that, but we're doing it even more. Like we're affecting maybe one person and then that one person is affecting one. It's just like you said, a domino effect. And, um, you know, I, I think it's big. I think it's big what you're doing. I think it's important what you're doing. Um, and I'm going to, you know, tell you to keep going. Um, although some people may not even give you credit for what you've done and, and helping them become vulnerable. Um, you know, I think one day they're going to look back and, you know, they're going to, they're going to thank you and they may not even say it to you, but they're going to, you know, say in, in my head or in their head, you know, he really helped me become more vulnerable and it and really helped my, me change my life. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, going to say thank you for your vulnerability now, but um, you know, we're going to, I'm going to keep going with the conversation, but I kind of wanted to stop you there and just go ahead and thank you again. Um, you know, May, tw uh, 
May, uh, May 25th, 2020, uh, you know, we lost George Floyd and, um, you know, probably the toughest way we could. Um, how do you feel like this incident impacted you? I was stuck for a while, honestly. Like, I just felt hopeless. I didn't want to leave the house. Like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had, like, a, like, I didn't feel like a successful future or something that I could have or attain. Like, um, I didn't know what to think. So, like, that my first forum actually was about George Floyd. Like, I, like, did a Zoom thing. I was like, anyone can join. Like, if you just want to listen, if you want to talk, like, because even myself, I didn't know what to think. And one thing that helps me think is hearing other perspectives. So I tried just like listening to people and what they thought, because I only knew so much of what I thought, but I wanted to like understand how other people felt to like move forward from that. Um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a rough time, honestly, for a while. Just like not feeling like any progress had been made, but in hindsight, like when you look back, a lot has. I mean, especially now, um, a lot of public officials are like listening, which is which is important. Um, yeah, you know, I was um, in your same shoes um, in a sense. I'm from Louisville, and we lost Brianna Taylor, um, so that's been. Uh, you know, been an ongoing thing, but it was, you know, it was tough. Um, Cause you know, as an African-American, you think, you know, at any point that could be me, you know, yeah. I've been, I've been pulled over four times. I'm probably not proud to say, but I've been pulled over four times and it's, you know, each, each time it's like, I, I'm getting real sweaty, kind of shaking a little bit. And it's like, I look at myself, you know, I'm 6'10", I'm a male beard, tattoos and I'm already prejudged before anyone even talks to me um and I would you know kind of the same thing you know you talked about it's you know just not wanting to come off a certain way um but at times it can be scary to be an African-American male um in America yeah I mean like there are times in school where or not even times in school, like when I'm hanging out with friends, it's maybe raining or drizzling and like, I'm wearing a, a hoodie, like, like, why don't you just put your hoodie on? I'm like, no, I cannot. Like, I, it's just not something I should be doing. Even if I'm with you guys, like, I think about before I go out, like how my outfit might appear. Cause I don't want to look threatening, like, I'm like six one six two, like I'm, out. I'm like I'm not as big as you, but like I'm big enough for people to maybe think I could do something. Yeah. So I try to dress. I try to make my appearance seem like I don't do anything, and it's 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 annoying to have to like worry about how I look because I want to dress a certain way, uh, but I have to be cognizant of like how I how I look. Um, as well as how I talk. So yeah, I definitely 
show you on that. What has been your involvement in the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, involvement wise, uh, I feel like the forums, um, we, I've been to a couple marches um, and um, just like walking with everyone was very powerful. It was an empower empowering experience, um, listening to stories, because um, it was also a march for ICE at the time um, and everything that was going on there. So I was listening to a lot of like immigrants, um, um, particularly Hispanic immigrants um, talking about their experiences, and what was going on and how to support um, you know, for a while we were doing this like black art showcase. So anyone who wanted promotion to like get their work out there, um, Balo, it's black, um, black American youth liberation organization. Um, we were like doing stories, interviewing artists who wanted to like get their work out there. Um, so like, yeah, between the, like just forums and like marches and having conversations and things like that. That's how I've been trying to support. You know, you've also been involved with the American East Better Together conversation, which, you know, can oftentimes be uncomfortable. How do you get others to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in those type of conversations? Dang. Um, yeah, that's a hard one. Um, just like the vulnerability vulnerability part of it like if i i feel like i mean it's kind of like human nature like if someone's like saying a lot like you kind of get inclined to like say something um so i just try to like make them feel comfortable or welcomed in anything that they say or is said um just like anything they say i'm automatically like okay i appreciate you telling me that like i appreciate that i acknowledge it i hear you um and i try to make them feel feel heard whoever it may be to any idea that they present um because there's no there's no room for judgment when you're trying to like make change like any any idea should be taken um and thought about and talked about um so I guess just like trying to make whatever space I'm in, make it as open as possible. Let that person know whatever they say is appreciated. Um, yeah. How, you know, you mentioned allowing people to be heard. I feel like a lot of people listen, but don't really hear, like don't really hear what the person is saying or even the, in, the, in the way they're saying it. How important do you think it is to really hear the person that's talking to you? I think it's everything. Um, it's everything from like the eye contact to your body language, um, to, to the tone of your voice, to the words that you say. Like every, every part of it is essential. Like, if I'm sitting here with my arms crossed, like you're not really gonna to wanna to ask me questions. 
I don't at least smile once in a while, like you're not going to feel like I'm in a good mood. Um, you know, it's like people, people can tell like when you genuinely care, um, when you like are giving them all your attention and that that's often where it's like has to be like socially understanding that is important uh and having these conversations also like knowing who you're talking to um because taught by talking to people i just learned like they grew up in spaces where arguing is how you solve problems like going back and forth and then coming to that that's just all they know and while like i don't have to accommodate to that if i know that going into that conversation then i can approach it differently um or any case that or any case may be um but um yeah that's that's a that's a hard one um can you repeat it one more time sorry no you're good i was just you know i just mentioned um you know how important is it to actually hear the person that's talking to you rather than just, you know, which I think a lot of people do is just listen at times and yeah. or listen to respond rather than actually hearing the person. Yeah. I, the whole like think before you speak is really important. Um, so a lot of people don't take time to do that. It's a lot of reaction. Um, it, it is like essential for people to like actually like hear what they're saying and listen because then you then you can like act on it the right way um it's not like it's one thing to like hear them in that conversation and then go out and like do it all over again um that's just like okay i i heard what you said i wasn't really like listening uh, but like I'm struggling to find the words now, but I do think it's like important in, you know, making someone feel comfortable and like taking what they say and then like finding ways to make action to it. Um, yeah, I don't really have the words for that. That was a good question, but I do think it's, it's very important. You had mentioned talking with one of your captains for two hours on the phone um before i assume it, it, he was white yeah how important do you think it is for white people to seek out conversations about what people of color go through or what people of um, color may go through yeah i they really need it like it's important it's essential not only to understand like black history but white history too um and to not just i like i'm sure you've heard of like that that i didn't do that those are my ancestors like yeah. i wasn't part of that like, okay that's cool man like i need you to understand what they did so like you can tell your family your kids da da da, da they can be aware and we as like humans can like try to move past it because right now like that's where we are right now it's like there's this big grudge um 
and obviously what was done shouldn't have been done. Um, but now we need to like move on from it and we need to know about it to move on from it so that we can't like make those same mistakes. Um, I think white people looking for not just, not just black people to talk to, but other cultures like Asian, Hispanic, what have you, like talk to them, hear about their backstory, hear what it means to be um, Asian in America. Um, because they, as a white person, you may not think you can help, but you can help for sure. Like knowing, understanding that this is a white society and that you are privileged and you have your advantages, of course, like use them, use your resources. But, you know, if you can help someone, try to, if you have time, like try to, I'm not, I don't want to say like, you have to help, you have to help, like you're your own person, you're going to make your own decisions. Um, but if you recognize like, hey, I have this and I can use it to help people, then I think that's important to do that. Um, you know, just going out there and like diversifying your, your mind and, um, you know, getting outside of, of, of a box that you, you may be in. Tell us about the intersection of race and mental health and how that is incorporated in the, into the conversations that you lead. Between race and mental health. Um, yeah, I, um, I think about being black and all that whenever I speak on like my mental health and stuff, because it, it kind of has affected me. Um, I think it ties, it correlates I think it ties in exactly like they both correlate because um, I've talked to a lot of like white people about their mental health. And I see a lot of patterns. Same with like black people, I see their patterns. Uh, so I think it, it helps in when you like approach people and talk to them because then you know like you kind of have an understanding of where they're coming from. Um, you kind of understand like how much of mental health is talked about maybe in their families and things like that. Um, so I think it it's something that ties in together and it's, you shouldn't ignore it when talking about mental health because it's an obvious, it's an obvious factor. Um, and one that should be like recognized going into that conversation. Um, yeah. Besides um, the lack of resources that are that we are not oftentimes given um, in our African-American communities. What is the next biggest key to ending the stigma in African-American communities in your opinion? Besides resources, um, I guess the big thing now is like social media. I mean, cause Back in that time, propaganda was like newspapers and posting stuff and you believed what you saw. So the depic depictions of, of African-Americans were put out there and are still out there. Um, so I'd say like social media is like one of those things that can help, but can also like be one of those big destroyers um, 
because you still have like people out there like who make money off of stereotypes um, and portraying people a certain way. Um, so th that's kind of like one of the, the big problems, I guess, is like social media wise, like what is put out there, especially with the internet, like you can see what you want to see. Um, so I guess like putting more of the right stuff in front of people and more so kids, because that's where it starts with is like the youth. So um, I think the next step too is like education, um, reforming that and like teaching kids from a younger age, like what actually happened in, in, in America, like, like where all this stuff come from, comes from, talks to them about stereotypes, prejudices, things like that, um, so that they're conscious of it. Um, so I think like the youth, educating the youth, and then, you know, social media platforms like celebrating black people and black culture, as well as other cultures um, the right way. When it's, when it's all said and done, how do you, what, what do you want people to take away most from your story? Um, I mean, this, this is one path, like, you know, use it, use it as you will, use it for perspective, but, you know, keep in mind, like everyone's different. Um, I guess like, I don't have one of those big underdog stories, but um, you know, any, anything is possible. Like, I did not think I'd be playing lacrosse, you know, coming where I came from. Um, but, you know, embrace what comes into your life and, you know, go at it with a positive attitude and like use it, use it as a tool to encourage yourself, um, encourage others, you know, try to try to be that light in someone's life, you know, uh, while, while maintaining your own, you know, be, be conscious of, of who you are and your limits and how far you can go. But, you know, don't forget to like be grateful and appreciate what you have. You know, yeah. You know, I love what you said. Um, to be a light in other people's lives, but also make sure to maintain your own. I think that's um, oftentimes can be forgotten um, with when, with people with big hearts who genuinely care about people. Yeah, the the draining aspect of it all. Yeah, very much so. Um, Tony, thank you for joining me today, man. Um, you know, I appreciate you. I appreciate your openness um, and your ability to be vulnerable and to speak on the things you have been through, um, to speak about things that other people like ourselves have been through, um, the uncomfortable conversations. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm just going to say I'm proud of you and to keep going, don't stop, um, because a lot of people look at your story and like you said you, you may feel like you don't have like this underdog story but a lot of people will look at your story and, and take something great away from it um but i just want to say thank you for for everything and taking the time out of your day yeah thank you i, I appreciate all your questions and 
you know, I looked into what you've done. So it's awesome stuff, man. Like, it's inspirational. So I, I appreciate, you know, talking to you and all that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, that does it for this edition of College Sports Conversations presented by the NCAA. Stay tuned throughout this month for more conversations between current college athletes and myself. For more about my journey, you can also check out the One in Five podcast on iTunes. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to talking to you again.